0: Welcome back to Tent Talks Podcast. I'm here with Zaina. Hi. Hello. (laughs) We are talking about death and grief. If you haven't listened to the previous episode about that, we're going to continue that conversation. So go ahead and listen to that one. And then we're going to pick right back up in this episode and talk about basically gifts from death and the grieving process and just kind of dive deeper with that. I'm going to start by sharing one of my first real introductions into death and dying in context of myself. And that was actually a meditation led by you, (laughs) Zaina. And I just want to share that experience. Basically, it was a group gathering, it was a woman's circle, and we were exploring death through a meditation. And so we all went back into this room and... We did a visualization of our body basically being in the ground mm-hmm. and decomposing a layer at a time and just eventually returning to the earth. And then after that, we got the chance to keen or to cry and mm-hmm. to wail and to really release the grief of our own eventual death.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was the most beautiful... Meditation that I really have ever done. I think yeah. uh, it stays with me. I think about it all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then it was such a precursor to what was going to happen. We had no idea I had what no was clue around. That I was doing, that. yeah. And we had no idea what was around the corner. But yeah. with the pandemic, with Annie, yeah. and so, so it was, yeah, yeah.
1: It was really a big deal. Well, I think you know when you're talking about like, well, how do I befriend death? And it's funny because. <laughs> A couple of years ago, I set the intention that I wanted to befriend death, because I, you know, I was thinking and deconstructing religion, deconstructing my own beliefs, deconstructing patriarchy within my body, and you know, you naturally start to hit upon this archetype of the sort of dark mother, the dark goddess, he- Hecate. You know, Kali Ma. There's lots of faces to this Our Lady of Sorrows. She has a lot of different names, but she is she is the dark mother, the earth itself, whose body takes us back into her and reabsorbs us and turns us into other life. And so, you know, I was just kind of playing around with those archetypes, and I set this intention: I want to befriend death. And so, just a warning: <laughs> you may or may not want to invite that intention into your life because <laughs> it will come. Um, and I would never, ever, ever insinuate that my setting that intention caused two people to die. But it, you know, things come. We we come to understandings of things. And I'm glad that I had set that intention and already kind of started the process of trying to understand death. And so I had at least some groundwork Context, laid. Yeah. But I do think that those types of death meditations or we can use ritual, we can use meditation, we can use writing, we can use art making to start to explore and understand death within ourselves. I had done a ritual a couple of years ago. Actually, it was in 2019. In the summer of 2019, I was over in Ireland and we did this ritual where we dug graves. Um, deep oh, deep graves. Yeah. And I guess it's another. And then we done were you. each buried in them. And then yeah, when I came home in September, I I held a ritual where, um, Stacy came and did that. And so it, it's a it's a powerful thing to like dig a grave and then lay your own body into it and then be reburied and just lay there. Now
0: I could have never <laughs> been into the ground had I not done that meditative
1: yeah. journey months before. Right, prepared yourself. Yeah, yeah, I
0: had been prepared, and so when I laid my body in the ground and just looked up at the stars and my whole body my naked body was in the dirt yeah I was weeping it was like this purification process Yeah, yeah to
1: me it felt like I had never felt more held in my life like and it was this when I did it in Ireland it was this like heavy damp soil and You know, I was buried up to my neck and then I had the other women who were assisting me. I said, lay your bodies on top of the earth. I want to feel this full weight. And at every point on my body was being pressed and held by earth. And I was like, I have never felt this held before. I've never felt this held. Mm. And it was just this release in my body of like the embrace of death, the embrace of like letting to set down the difficulty of being alive, being conscious and aware is hard and I'm I'm not advocating for like seeking death, but like we can familiarize ourselves and we can start to understand and play, play with death, <laughs> get to know death in these more ritualized ways. And there's other ways, like there's an app. I know my friend, Sarah Hanks, uh, our friend, Sarah yeah. Hanks, like she has this app that sends her a text every day that says, someday you will die or something to that effect. And just oh this gosh. like daily reminder of like, oh, yeah. I'm not infallible. I'm not immortal. There's this tradition of memento mori, which for those of us from an English or uh, European ancestry, it's a really beautiful ancestral connection for working with death memento mori is everything from like keeping a skull on your desk as as writers and philosophers would do to just kind of stare into the face of death always or lots of jewelry it's done as a memorial for someone who's gone so I wear this little pendant around my neck I took some of Annie's ashes and had them turned into this little pendant so she's right here with us hi Annie hi Annie <laughs> she's into it she's like yeah. Hey, talking about death I know way more than both of you <laughs> um, God, tell us what's on the other side Annie <laughs> But just keep, you know, just like this reminder, like, oh, yeah, this is, it's always here.
0: Now, what about this topic of the French word for (coughs) orgasm is the tiny death? Oh, yeah. Le petit mort. Yes. Le petit
1: mort. And it's this idea of practicing surrendering, practicing. Letting go. Yeah. Letting your body fully be taken in by something, whether that is an orgasm or that is the earth or that is whatever. And it's, there's so many ways, like one of the things right after Annie died, I got this email from snuck farm, great farm in pleasant Grove shout out that they were opening up registration for their summer cut flower garden class. And I had the year before I had wanted to take it, but I'd missed the registration. It was literally the week Annie had died. And I just like texted Simon and I was like, I'm going to do this. And he was like, yeah, me too. And so it gave us this like tiny seed of life to look forward to oh. through those dark winter months of grief. And that process of going and growing flowers and just being with them was so healing. And then this year I, in my own garden at home was a grief garden. I mean, it was weeds. I let everything grow over. I didn't water. It was in sad shape. And so this spring part of life coming back was me really reviving my garden and then planting on my own flowers. And uh, I was talking to Fawn, the woman who taught the class, and she said this beautiful thing the other day because I was just commenting on how the more you cut your flowers, the more they grow. And she's like, yeah, it's the law of the harvest. Like, the more that you give freely of what you have give freely of life, the more it grows back. And it's, it's also the law of death. In a way, it's like the more that you let death happen, you cut these blooms that are so beautiful. And it is a little painful for me still to like cut these gorgeous flowers. Mm-hmm. But then the next day, there's twice as many blooms. And you know, I think we forget that when we let death happen, when we let it move through us, where we don't cling to something and try to hold onto it forever, it's just like death is what opens the doorway mm. for life.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: And it's, it's the foundation of everything. It's because of death that we're all here. You know, if every human that had ever been born were still alive today, <laughs> or if every yeah. tree that had ever taken root were still growing, or if every, you know, it's like, Death is just this constant recycling. Death is life. They hold hands at the knot of the infinity symbol. And, and we are lucky enough to kind of skate around that and come through that, that knot several times throughout our lives when we lose close ones. And, and I just think it's really important to really learn to befriend death, to, to practice death on a, on a regular basis and to recognize it and to allow it to create space within us, to let all the traumas and, ancestral shit we're carrying to really compost that to let that feed and create space within ourselves so that we can grow into you know functional human beings (laughs)
0: yeah well and i think the dysfunction is avoiding death the dysfunction is avoiding grief yeah and it's not normal to go on with life and not yeah feel all of these big emotions that's yeah yeah and
1: and and death brings that out totally it's a gift it's a gift because it opens grief which often i mean i think so many of us i know myself i i felt emotions you know it's hard to remember pre-deep grief what was i like but there was a lot of me that was numb there was a lot of me that was disassociated and numb. And grief, it, it's like a psychedelic encounter It, if you allow space for it. and And again, I feel so fortunate and so privileged that I had the space and the support to really go into grief because that's rare in our culture. Yeah, It's rare. I had the space. I had a safe home environment. I was financially in a place and supported by my partner that I could just really go into grief. And I I recognize that that's a privilege. And I let it take me. I let it dissolve so many layers. And it still is. And it always will be. And I think that process has really allowed me to live. I feel so much more clear on life being precious and just giving zero fucks about any of the stuff that I maybe thought was important at one point of like, oh, well, I have to make my name in this or, oh, I have to be a this or, oh, my life has some purpose that I'm here to fulfill or, oh, I have some medicine I'm here to unlock. And she's like, no, just being is all there is Mm -hmm. for any of us. Just being, just being aware in the present moment is that is life. And that is being witness to the beauty of every every other being being themselves, you know, taking time to really, really witness the beingness of a tree or a bee or a dog or your lover or your own self, like mm-hmm. just taking time to witness your own body and the miracle of it. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're just here to be. <laughs> That's it. (laughs) We complicate it so much. We do. Our little egos just want to build empires and build towers and rescue ourselves from death. And I just find the embrace of death and grief to be really sweet. And grief opens the floodgates to so many deeper emotions. Like I feel like the love in my heart now, the love in my life is technicolor instead of just like black and white because it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I let myself grieve, and I let myself feel my feelings now, and I don't judge them. I just hold space for that and let it flow.
0: I was telling this to some people the other week, and it just, it's a little doorway into me, but I, I didn't cry for years.
1: Oh, Stace.
0: And i it was mostly when I was a teenager into my early yeah. 20s, but I didn't. Yeah. And I was so shut down. I was so Mm -hmm. removed from myself and I was in a numb place for years. Yeah. And my grandmother, who was such a big person in my life, Mm. a major caretaker, a major anchor, a major safe place over there every weekend at her funeral. I didn't really cry and i couldn't yeah. and in fact i remember the moment that i heard of her death i laughed instead of cried yeah. and there was this like weird bare naked lady song at the time <laughs> i have a tendency i don't even know <laughs> something i laugh at i laugh at funerals yeah but i remember having that mixed emotion like yeah. what was happening internally wasn't happening on the outside of me yeah. and i recognized that and then in my mid to late twenties, one of my dear friends lost her sister and she's a really deep feeler and she did not shy away from grief because she couldn't. There was no yeah. choice. It was her sister. It was her witness of her life, her everyday, you yeah. know, companion. And she just, she, she couldn't return to work. She couldn't do the things yeah. and her life fell apart and I didn't get it because mm. I was like, no, she, She's in a better place, or whatever, right, you right. know. The, the disassociation, the bypass. Thing, yeah. I it's was not doing.
1: horrible. I mean, sometimes that's all we can do. I have I have no judgment on how anyone grieves because that Stacy, you know, younger Stacy, you were doing the best you could just to survive. Good job, Stacy. Like, good job, yeah. young Stacy. Like, you didn't grieve the wrong way you were just surviving and being and thank God there's space now in your life to grieve and there's space to feel your feelings and that you are crying right now, you know, like, and you know, there's, we have so much stigmatism about the right way and the wrong way. And one of the books that was really helpful to me, a friend, my friend Jen, who does a lot with death, they sent me this book. It's okay that you're not okay by Megan Devine, and or Meg Devine, and she's a therapist who counseled people in grief. And then um, one day, she and her partner were out for a hike, and he went just like, "I'm going to go swimming in this river that I've swum in a hundred times before." It was very safe; he was a good swimmer. And some freak thing happened, and he died in front of her in the water. Oh my gosh! And she she wrote about how like she wanted after once she was in that kind of grief she was like i wanted to call every client i had ever seen for grief and apologize i she was yeah. like i thought i understood i had yeah. no clue and she just talks about how like it's okay that you're not okay And it's okay that you were disassociated and numbed out at that age and it wasn't safe. It probably wasn't safe for you to lose your shit then, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's about going back to those parts of ourselves that we stifled and held back and creating space now to let that grief move through and to just start Mm -hmm. to open and gently, gently massage. Like John O'Donohue in his book, Anamkara talks about, I mean, love that man. He talks about how psychoanalysis and modern, Psychology, we kind of are a little aggressive with ourselves. And I i see this a lot in like shadow work of like, you know, the mm-hmm. spiritual community of like, oh, so it's a kind of this interrogative, like going, he calls you go in with the searchlight, you know, you're just like the neon light of awareness. <laughs> it's bright and it's harsh and yeah. you're like, you're almost looking to find all your faults and like, look at, ugh. and he's like, just go in with a candle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just go in with and a, a, a hug. candle and sit. Mm-hmm. you know, and that's all we need to do with ourselves. Yeah. Those past selves that didn't know how to grief or didn't have space or weren't safe to like, there's no judgment or shame there. Like just going in gently and finding safe spaces now, you know, and in terms of like supporting grief, again, there's again, no right or wrong way. I'll just talk about some of the things that were supportive to me. Um, water, like spending time. I found this spot on uh, Hobble Creek. Yes. That is my spot now. Yep, And just going and letting the water grieve with me because water is always running, you know, and yeah. it's running joyfully and sorrowfully. And, and just being near water just helped kind of move the water in my own body and like get my nervous system regulated and drink lots of hydration multipliers. <laughs> that was a tip from our yeah. friend Becca. Like, yep. cause you get lots of headaches <laughs> when you're crying a lot. You do. <laughs> Take care of yourself physically and, and recognize, get body work. Like, You know, recognize your body is doing this animal thing of grief and and letting yourself have space to really cry and wail. Even with all the grief I'd done, it wasn't until last week in a somatic therapy session that I feel like I really let myself wail for the first time. Even with all the grief I'd done with Annie. And I cried pretty intensely, but like... It was like I was wailing like I did as an infant. Like I just let my oh. body fully open. Yeah. And it felt so healing. And it was so healing to be witnessed by someone and that my therapist yeah. just sitting there holding kind, compassionate space.
0: I I can wail on my own, particularly in the bathtub. I'm you really, should
1: be a keener. <laughs> really good at
0: it. But I'll be damned if someone is there. It's immediately stifled and quiet. And, yeah. you know, I think there's a real power and being witnessed and allowing yourself to yeah to let go in front of somebody
1: else. We we need that. We need to have it validated. Like your feelings are valid and we're holding space for it. You know, after Annie died, I she died on December 16th and it was COVID. We weren't gonna have a service or a memorial or a party. It was peak COVID in Utah. It was Mm -hmm. the numbers were off the charts. And so I was like, well I've got to do something to hold space for this grief. And so I had already been planning for winter solstice to go over to Annie's house and build a spiral in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And like, because it's an old, it's from Waldorf. I don't know where it came from before that. But you build a spiral out of evergreen boughs and put candles in it and whatnot. And you walk the spiral at the closing of the, it's like you close the old year and then you begin the new year by walking back out. And so when she died, I thought, okay, let's do this. But we went up into the canyon and built the spiral and at the center we put her ashes and a portrait of her and you were there Stacy and you know just gave space for people to say goodbye because so many people hadn't gotten to like go and be with her in presence and say goodbye and to just grieve together and several friends afterwards just talked about how that was either the only place where they were able to cry and Mm -hmm. grieve or how hard it was and challenging you know because even with people we love and care about we're so like unpracticed with that skill of like really losing it in front of each other, really being that raw and vulnerable. And so it's something, you know, I don't know when I'll do this or how, but I've, I've gone before to a grief circle held by this great practitioner in Salt Lake. And I would love to like, just on like a monthly or a quarterly basis, be like, okay, let's have a grief circle Mm -hmm. and just, just holding space for people to grieve all the things. It feels so nourishing because there's so much grief right now just the amount of environmental grief that we're all processing and carrying yeah the political grief the human rights i mean there's just you can have a carefree personal existence and still be overloaded with grief right now and i don't know anyone that does have a carefree personal existence like we are all carrying such big loads and such a backlog of ancestral grief you know and so Just giving voice to it, talking about, I think that's another really important part in grieving is talking about your loss, talking about the person, if it feels right, building an altar to them, keeping them present, you know, bringing them up. I'm finally at the point where I can joke pretty macabre about Annie dying. (laughs) You know, and it, and it feels good because she would have joked that way. We did joke that way, you know, finding the ways to keep them present and not shy away. And like, you know, if you have someone who's lost someone in your life, ask them about their person. Say, if you feel like talking about them, tell me about what was, what did you love about being friends with this person or being lovers with this person or about your mom or, and have space for the bad parts too like what was really hard about this relationship cuz mm-hmm. one of the things i think we grieve are the the unresolved parts of relationship you know
0: oh definitely and sometimes we we put people on a pedestal in in their death mm-hmm. and nobody really wants that no. i don't think Mm-mm. and so i yeah i like to bring in a little bit of the jokey but real conversation like yeah they were a pain in the butt
1: like (laughs) oh annie pushed my buttons like no one else (laughs) we were so similar (laughs) we could we could just but you know yeah i think that's so important and to let your relationship with a person continue to evolve in their death Mm -hmm. you know there's things i've come to understand about annie since she died that you know, and in ways that I've been able to shift and let go and forgive and you know, it's it's an evolution. And then there's the, the heartbreaking grief that I'm such a different person than I was when she died. I'm still me, but I'm more me. Like mm-hmm. so many layers have shed and Yeah. I'm sad that she doesn't get to know that. And I don't get to know that part of her. And yet I do. She's everywhere. Like when Annie died, it felt like a supernova. It just felt like oh, she yeah. went everywhere into the, the ether and into the fabric of the rest of living. And I've felt that with Amara too, like just they're everywhere all at once, you know, they're just, they're here, they're present. And I write any letters, you know, when she first died, it was like every day I was writing her a letter. And now it's like once a month. (laughs) She's probably mad at me for not writing more. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember I felt a little well, because it was during such a high COVID. So my last, my last interaction with, Annie and I don't ever know if she got it but I would it was just like a little recording and I Mm. just invited her to haunt me if (laughs) if ghosts do that that. and (laughs) then I remember telling you that and I think and you were like I think we've all asked her (laughs) invited her (laughs) to just haunt us and stick around if she wants to yeah and yeah. I, yeah, I just I do think that she's everywhere. Her paintings are everywhere. Yeah. Her presence, her words. Yeah. Sometimes Simon will go into like Annie's Instagram, you yeah. know, and then like <laughs> oh, that's yeah, really, so weird like, when she pops like, up. Me out. Yeah, I'm
1: like <gasps> Annie, you're here. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that is kind of that's getting at one of these gifts of death is is letting life take root again, you know? I had this like download one day where I was sitting and it, it this sounds like a stoner thought I was not altered in any way. But, <laughs> but you know when you, you yeah. know when something enters your body, it's not just a mental knowing, but it was like a physical knowing. And mm-hmm. I had this deep, all my body all of a sudden was like, oh, we've forgotten that death is life. We in our culture have made death only an ending. Mm-hmm. And so of course we're terrified of it. Yeah, If you think that death is forever and, and, you know, and so we make up these stories of, Oh, I'll see them again, or, Oh, they're in a better place. It, it's just like, who knows? But to me, just the physiological aspect of energy and matter returning and becoming other energy and matter, you know, it's like that movie that's just came out of everything everywhere all at once. It's, it's all right yeah. here. It's all happening. Like Annie is here and, I feel like really spending time with death has opened up life in this way that life is so multidimensional and complex. Like all the magic that I was kind of always seeking in this esoteric or like more like dogmatic way, it's like, oh, it's right here. The magic is every moment. It's the wonder of life and the wonder of death. Like what an incredible thing. What a, what a voyage to go on. I've had several significant dreams about Annie, some right after she passed and then others kind of spaced out. And uh, the other night I had an Amara dream. Like I feel like Amara came to say goodbye. And, and it was, that was clearly what she was doing. She showed up and – or they showed up and we – I just said, God, I really miss having deep conversations with you. And they were like, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Um and we hugged and we both cried. And then they were showing me photos of all their loved ones and telling me stories, but they were packing their bags. They're like, I got to go on to the next phase. And, you know, I don't know what that means. I don't claim to know what happens, but I think there are these ways that we can, whether it's just through imagination, I think imagination is a really underutilized sense that's, that's real in that it is a way for us to manipulate space and time. And that can be dangerous if you get too literal about it. But I think there are ways that these, these loved ones watch out for us. And, and then I get to see them in the flowers that I'm growing and I get to see them in the water at the river and, you know, death becomes again, this, this companion that we're always holding life or always holding hands with as living beings. And, of course I wish Annie were still here. Of course I wish Amara were still here. Of course I wish everyone listening to this whoever you've lost like I wish they hadn't been lost and yet that's the reality. And so how do we how do we continue to live in a good way so that we die in a good way and that we can continue to embrace this wheel of constant coming and going in and out the door and it's it's just practice it's just the practice of being alive
0: the practice of presence of loving your people mm-hmm. building
1: community being letting go intimate, of things surrendering letting things go not of, grasping yeah. not grabbing just letting it's just letting life flow through you
0: yeah.
1: because at some that life flow will end in this particular bag of cells that i'm in right now and who knows what happens after that I know that those cells will decompose and become of their life. And if that's the extent of it, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I figure there's probably something else too. Cause I mean, the mystery is
0: the mystery is, <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. Zaina, thank you so much for sharing your death wisdom <laughs> and your resources and your lived experience and talking about this Thanks. Thanks for
1: inviting me to do this. And thank you for all of your wisdom and all of the knowing in your body. It's beautiful.
0: Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for being with us. We'll see you next time. Die well, my friends. (laughs) Live well, die well. Live well, die well. (laughs)